0: You're listening to episode 26 of the Take the Reins podcast with Nikki Porter. Welcome and thanks for stopping by. You're listening to Take the Reins, a weekly personal growth podcast for horse owners. If you're invested in becoming the best version of yourself in all your relationships, both human and equine, this is the spot for you. Through our conversations, you will learn how to become a stronger communicator, leader, and deepen the connection you crave both in and out of the arena. Horses have an awful lot to teach us, yet very little of it actually has to do with horses. They reflect back to you who you are emotionally, physically, and energetically. They are a mirror to your soul, and it is time to take an honest look at who you are and who you want to become. I can't wait to connect with you, so here we go. Hello and welcome to the Take the Reins podcast. Thank you for joining me. I'm your host, Nikki Porter, and if you're in the Maritimes, I want to first of all start this podcast by just saying, I'm thinking of you. This is such a difficult time right now, and I don't mean to bring it up in order to uh, remind you. I don't think we need reminding. I think that it's absolutely in us right now. We can we can see it everywhere it's on our social media, It's we we can notice it in the grocery stores. There's a heaviness right now in the Maritimes and it's absolutely warranted. So I want you to know that if you are feeling it and you're having a hard time right now, I want you to reach out to me. I would love to connect with you. And even if you just need somewhere to write out how you're feeling and be able to send it off to someone Um, I'm more than willing to be an ear so I want you to know I'm absolutely thinking of you all and if you're not in the Maritimes right now then I'm still thinking of you because right now globally we're in a very challenging time and the challenging time look times looks different to everyone right now and I think it's uh it's a time that we all need to be able to look at each other with absolute great empathy and understanding and be there for each other the best that way that we can. So um, this past weekend, I actually had an opportunity to teach the first Take the Reins online workshop and it was amazing. It was a fantastic opportunity to connect with some women and it was it was a really fantastic day and I don't even mean to say that because it was something that I created and I put on I'm saying that because when I think about it I get chills and I feel like it was so impactful not only because we were all horsewomen and we were all like minded, but because we were looking for a shared experience that gave us a connection that maybe we're craving right now and we haven't been able to get because of the social distancing. And it was just an, an amazing opportunity. It was a long and emotional day, but at the same time, it was so empowering and so insightful. And I absolutely can't wait to do it again. If it sounds like something that you would be interested in at all, uh, you can just go over, find me on social media, Facebook or Instagram, whatever platform you enjoy and and send me a PM or look and see if you can find some information there. There's an, there's an opportunity to sign up for my Email list as well, and you'll find information there. Unfortunately, my website is under construction right now, so it is no help. Nikkiporter.ca is not going to help you in this situation, but absolutely reach out to me, and I would love to connect with you about the upcoming workshops. This was uh, Foundation One; it was the first of a couple different foundational series, and then um, there will be an essential series as well. So. That was my weekend. It was enlightening. It was empowering. It was absolutely what I needed and I hope it was what the ladies needed that were involved as well and I do wish that we could have been able to sit down and have supper and sit at a bonfire when we were all done and connect further but it was also really good because I think that our community is charged with emotion right now and it was nice to be able to connect and then and then be able to go and recharge on our own as well. So I think everything kind of comes in its own time. And I'm really thankful and really grateful for the opportunity to have taught that uh, that workshop this past weekend. So... I'm going to actually get right into the interview. I'm going to give you a really brief introduction of my guest today, or for my guest today, and then we'll hop right in. I hope this interview and this episode brings you insight and uh, brings a smile to your face. So I'm interviewing today Stephanie Swatel. She's an expert expert in the dynamics of horse-human relationships on the physical, emotional, and energetic levels. Whether for the purposes of equestrian endeavors, personal growth, or healing, she facilitates meaningful horse-human interactions with a focus on the mind-body connection, emotional intelligence, and intuitive, intuitive development. Sorry, You can find more about Stephanie at her website, stephanieswatel.com. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hello everyone, thank you for joining us. Today I have an interview with Stephanie Sautel. Is that correct how I said your name? Yes, thanks. Yes, okay, perfect. Stephanie, thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. So Stephanie, could you please tell us just who you are, where in the world you are right now, and what involvement you have in the horse world. I'm really excited for our conversation because knowing the conversation we're gonna have, I know that the audience is gonna take so much away. So just give us a brief rundown who you are, where you're from, how you got involved in horses.
1: Okay, Um, I'm Stephanie Sawtell. I'm currently living in Erie, Pennsylvania. And um, I've, I've loved horses my whole life. I started riding lessons when I was 12. Um, I got my first horse when I was 15, and I had her, her whole, the whole rest of her life. Um, I went to a four-year equestrian college, so I have a bachelor's degree in equine science. And then um, after college, I went on to do some fairly traditional riding instruction and horse training, um, and then it was through that that I became interested in the equine facilitated learning side of things. Awesome. So
0: I know that in our conversation, you said that, you know, you kind of were doing this equine assisted learning thing before you even really knew that it was a thing in other people's burns. So can you tell me a little bit about that?
1: Sure. Um, I don't know that it was so much something that I was doing at first more than it was just something I was observing and becoming right. aware of. Um, it was within those times that I was working with a horse and a person for riding instruction or for horse training, that I was noticing the difference in the person, like when they, from the time they showed up to our session to the time they left, noticing the difference in them and the difference in how they carried themselves and what they were saying and their um, their emotional state or their mental state. Um, and hearing them talk about what they were experiencing. And then over time, hearing them tell me, what was happening in other areas of their lives that could be tied to what they were doing or experiencing or learning with during their time with the horses. So that was really when I started to think there, there's really something to this, like something bigger than just me teaching horseback riding is happening here. Mm -hmm. And it really sparked my interest. Um, It felt important to me. It felt like something I wanted to, to learn about and know about and, um, and support. It was a process that I wanted to support more mm-hmm. and things sort of, sort of snowballed from there on my end. I started, you know, researching a little bit into what was happening and realized that it, it wasn't just something that was happening for me, that mm-hmm. it was actually a thing <laughs> that other people had discovered too. And it had a name, equine assisted learning or equine facilitated learning. There's a lot of different names for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I went on to pursue some certifications in that field.
0: So, what really brought you about to choosing that career? like what inspired you to choose to say, "This is what I want to do for a living," versus, let's say, the training
1: and the lessons?: uh, that's a great question. So I think there's a few parts to that, and one was just my own awareness of what was happening and my own interest in it. Um, I think another part to that is some of the benefits that that I saw in my own life, you know, my, Mm -hmm. my own real experience that I was living through that I could directly relate to what I was learning with the horses. You know, it wasn't just that I heard from someone else what it was doing for their life. It was that I really experienced it in my life, the benefit that the horses were bringing to it in other relationships and in my confidence and things like that. Um, That's definitely a part of it. And honestly, the horses themselves really are, are a piece of that too because the more I was learning about the horses the more I was um, observing what they were saying to me and saying to us when we're working with them mm-hmm. and I, I started not sure exactly how to explain it but I started interacting with them in a different way mm-hmm. and I saw I was able to see how much more they had to offer us in their communication and their especially their nonverbal body language that we could take as feedback for ourselves mm. if we just let them be horses you know we have a lot of interactions with them in a more traditional sense where they're not not as able to express themselves mm-hmm. there's a lot of conditioned responses when we're working with them as riding horses or or for competition or performance um, but when they're allowed to be horses and not work only within those conditioned responses there's so much more rich feedback that they can give us and and seeing that really, really inspired me. Mm -hmm.
0: So when you're saying that when you just allow the horse just to be the horse, so the horse, you're not really working through those conditioned responses anymore. You're allowing them to just be who they are and respond however they feel the need to respond to any given situation. Can you just explain what you see that that offers us versus Only working with the horse from a place where we're expecting those conditioned responses.
1: So, um, one of my favorite ways to work with people and horses right now is with the horses at liberty. Mm -hmm. And I don't necessarily mean just like in a round pen, but I really mean that they're truly at liberty to do whatever it is that they feel is right to do in the moment for themselves Mm -hmm. without consequence. Mm -hmm. Um, so for example, just working with a horse loose in a pasture or an arena, or even in their stall, you can even do this in a stall, um, approaching the horse, seeing how they respond to you. You know, do they do they step away? Do they turn away? Do they turn towards you? Um, are they breathing? Are they holding their breath? Uh, do they shift their weight? Any of those little things can give you so much feedback as to how You're showing up and to what state the horse is in in the moment. Mm -hmm. But if you just go in expecting to um, not spend that time or not give the horse that time to react to you, if you just go in with your own agenda and say, okay, I'm going to approach the horse and put the halter on no matter what he's doing, even Mm -hmm. if I have to corner him, or I'm going to go in and I'm going to have the horse um, walk both directions and trot around me and then canter and then we'll be done. If you kind of go in with your own agenda and like, we're going to do what I'm, what I want to do, no matter what you don't give the horse, the chance to give you that feedback. But if you give them the chance to be a horse and to respond to you the way they would without pursuing, without um, punishment, without reward, even, you know, just Mm -hmm. letting them do what they're going to do. It's that feedback is there's so much more detail there in the feedback that you don't get. If you just go in and push your own agenda.
0: Absolutely. And I love this sort of work too, because the horse is always giving us feedback and it's just a matter of if we slow ourselves down enough to receive it. And Mm -hmm. so often working with people and their horses, you will see people work from a very conditioned themselves, conditioned place, where you go in, you put the halter on, you walk out, and you're so much in your own head and so much on a schedule that you miss out on the opportunities to be able to see that horse telling you, "No, I'm not really feeling this today," um, telling you that they're, you know, their mind is somewhere else; they're not focused on you, and those sort of interactions. When you can attend to those early on, like in the stall, versus when you swing a leg over and you start to notice, oh, this horse is feeling a little tight. Like Mm -hmm. I I don't know if this horse is ready for for me to ride. They might buck me off or something crazy. You know what I mean? But like if you if you start to tune in earlier and you're and I know we're gonna talk about mindfulness. And my assumption is we're probably going to talk about pre- a little bit of presence as well. But mm-hmm. when we become mindful in those interactions, then we're able to not only take on what the horse is saying and and take what they're doing as a reflection on who we are, but we're safer. We're in a in a place where we can interact with our horse from a place of understanding versus Just saying, oh, they just did that for no reason, which is never the case.
1: Right, right. Um, I have, if you want me to share, I have a really good story about myself. Story, yeah, (laughs) and some similar observations. Um, So I, I was always taught with a fairly traditional, um, like a dominance theory based approach to horses and horsemanship. So you know, you have to go in and make the horse do what you want him to do, and Mm -hmm. be the boss, and. Um, the horse doesn't really get a say except to agree with you at some point, you know, mm-hmm. yes, I'll accept my halter, yes, I'll have the bridle, yes, I'll take the saddle, I'll let you get on my back, um, I'll do the transitions, all the things, um, so a, a few years ago, I started when I, I don't know what prompted my, this change in my observational skills with the horses, or just taking time to do it, but um, when I was giving my regular riding lessons, my clients would come in and they'd come to the stalls and they'd have the halter and get the tack out. And I started noticing the horse's body language in a way that I hadn't ever before. Mm-hmm. And I started realizing how a lot of the horses that I was working with were not wanting to have their halter put on. They were not greeting the riders at the door. They were showing a lot of discomfort. They were showing um, some fear. They were showing mm-hmm. a lot of calming signals. Um, a lot of those things and up until then I had always just said to everybody you know if the horse goes to the back of the stall you ask them to turn around and you put the halter on anyway or you you know if they give you a little tail swish when you're doing the girth you do the girth anyway and if they try to bite you you know you tell them no and it was it was all very traditional and for some reason it just dawned on me in a different way what was going on and it, I didn't change what I was doing with my students at that time, mm-hmm. but it was really on my mind every day when I went home, really on my mind, and I thought, I just, I love horses so much, and all I'm seeing is a bunch of unhappy horses every day, mm. um, you know, I'm, I'm generalizing, not that mm-hmm. every single one of them was unhappy, but it was really, really weighing on me, um, to the point where I was really thinking about, well, what am I doing, and is it worth it, like, Right. Someone's coming in and handing me money for a lesson, and I'm basically saying to the horse, "Well, too bad. You gotta do this even if you don't like it." And mm-hmm. I was going home and not being very happy with myself, and it it really turned into almost a crisis in my career after all these years. Like, it, it got to me to the point that I was like, "Maybe I don't want to do this anymore." Mm-hmm. And when I thought about it more, I thought, "Well, that's not really the truth. I just don't want to do it in this way. You know, I don't I don't want to do it at the expense of the horses. That's what it came down to, right. which was really hard for me to swallow." because this is my, this is my career. This is how I've made my money my whole life. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a huge change to look at, honestly.
0: (laughs) Oh, absolutely.
1: So I thought, you know, I started thinking, like, what can I do about this? Like, how can I be happy with what I do and do right by the horses and the people together? Because I don't want one at the expense of the other anymore. Um, And I had a lot of fear wrapped up in that. I I thought, you know, what if I change and people think I'm being silly or too soft Mm. or what if it doesn't work or what if the horses never want to do anything that we want to do with them like what if I see that in the horses every day no matter what I do what if the horses are continually saying no where does that leave me Mm -hmm. um so I I kind of started over with pretty much all of my clients um and we started off with just a lot of observation you know when you approach the horse's stall or you approach the pasture gate what's the horse doing? You know, when you open the door, the gate, what's the horse doing when you hold up the halter, what is the horse doing? Mm-hmm. Lots and lots of observation and lots of slowing down and taking the time. And me saying to the client, if, if we don't get to the point where the horse is okay with this, then we're not doing this today. It's still, there's still stuff to learn. You know, there's That's still stuff to learn, even if we don't get on the horse, but mm-hmm. I really had to be willing to let clients go that weren't yeah. on board with that. And that was super scary for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but to my surprise, <laughs> people were finding that approach and what I had to teach them in those situations really interesting and fascinating. Mm-hmm. And my biggest fear with the horses that, that they would never agree to any interactions once I gave them the option, <laughs> mm-hmm. that that did not really come to fruition. I mean, there certainly were days where it was clear that the horses weren't into riding, but Often, instead of it just being a really black and white no from the horses, it was a lot more nuanced than that. It was maybe like not yet or Mm -hmm. not in that way. Mm -hmm. So that was really a pleasant surprise for me because I thought it was going to be more black and white than that, Um, and I had to get to the point where I was willing to like give up what I was doing for a living to take the risk to do it differently.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's wow. That's very brave of you. So often we feel like we need to put that pressure on ourselves of the, well, I've established this, how do I make a change in order to then, you know, I guess, respect your values or respect your morals, knowing that you're going to impact your business, knowing that not everyone's going to come along for that ride. Yeah. Good for you. That's fantastic.
1: Thank you.
0: So let's talk a little bit about mindfulness. Um, It's definitely a a conversation and a topic that I love diving into. It's actually the thing that started me on my path when I first started learning about it. It was just like mind boggling to me that this was not something that was taught to me when I was an infant. (laughs) So, and then making the connection to the horses and, and it's, it's so impactful and I can't wait to hear your advice to everyone about it. So if you could tell me in your opinion, what is mindfulness and how can it benefit both ourselves and our horses in other areas of our life?
1: Okay. One of my favorite simple definitions of mindfulness is being here now.
0: So it, I, mean, I have to cut you in for a second because that's yeah. literally, I went to a workshop, I don't even know how many years ago it was, and that was the words, those were the words that she used, and mm-hmm. I went home that night and wrote it on the outside of my thumb and had that with me for the rest of the week after that workshop, and it was the catalyst. So that's that's very interesting that you say that.
1: Carry yeah, <laughs> that's <been interesting. laughs> so you know there's a lot more to it than that if you want to put more into it but mm-hmm. it really is that simple as as be here now um there's there's so much information and so much awareness that we can have in every single moment
0: mm-hmm.
1: um there's so much available to us like every moment is so rich but if you're if you're in your head or if you're in the future or if you're in the past Uh, you're, you're not here now to Mm -hmm. see what is here for you now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, There's, there's so many benefits. Um, We we could talk all day about that, but Mm -hmm. just having that awareness, I think the biggest thing is that having that awareness allows you to be more conscious about yourself Mm -hmm. um, and how you show up um, I like to I like to say to people it gives you the opportunity to be responsive instead of reactive.
0: Absolutely,
1: because reactive are sort of those ingrained habits and patterns that we do without thinking, and they they may not even serve us anymore, but we're still operating under that mm-hmm. system, that behavior pattern, or that belief system. Mm-hmm. Um, but mindfulness really helps you to tap into those things and be aware of them, and to decide whether or not you want to continue that way, or if you want to try something different or change something up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I think the So horses, horses by their nature are mindful themselves. They don't have to practice mindfulness. They already are mindful. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're, they're really great role models uh, for being present. And on top of being role models, they also give us, if we can observe it, they give us that feedback for, mm-hmm. to help our, our own state of mind, our, our own um, level of mindfulness or our, our own practice of mindfulness. And I don't know that horses themselves, since they're already mindful, that that they can be more mindful to have a benefit, but I think they benefit from us being more mindful for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think it's interesting
0: because one of the main benefits that I see for the horses when we shift from, I don't want to say mindless to mindful, but less conscious to more mindful would be in any interaction, we become more fair to our horses the pressure we put on them, the things that we ask of them, um, all of that becomes more fair when we're mindful in what we're doing. So often, our horses are on the receiving end of unfair pressure or, or I want to even say insults, unfair insults. The words that people use to describe their horse or the actions that their horses are taking, um, all because they are not in the moment with that horse to understand and see clearly what the whole picture is. Um, what's triggering the horse, what's causing the horse to respond the way that they are, react the way that they are. Um, I find that that above and beyond is probably the biggest benefit to our horses.
1: It's huge. And I think it gives us the opportunity also to change our, um, our agenda or or our timing. I think Mm -hmm. timing is super important because Mm -hmm. often I think we're taught to expect an immediate answer from the horse. Mm -hmm. And sometimes horses are often horses are on a bit of a slower schedule or slower timetable than Mm -hmm. us. You know, it's, um, some people, if they don't Get a yes from a horse, they take it as a no. But a lot right. of times the horse hasn't said no. Yeah, horse hasn't given any kind of answer or response yet. Sometimes it takes mm-hmm. them a bit. And I think if we can just wait until we get a definite one or the other from the horse, we'll get it. But mm-hmm. if you jump so quickly to, if you don't get a yes, it's automatically a no from the horse. Mm-hmm. Then you have to jump in with um, more pressure or um, or a correction or something like that. And I don't mm-hmm. think that's always necessary if we can just slow ourselves down a bit.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting when we look at performance horses in this aspect. Now I've spoken to a few people about, you know, the horses that they use for these sort of equine assisted therapies or assisted learnings or like the facilitators. So I've I've invested a bit of time into learning what, you know, how are those horses special and how are they trained in a different way? So when we look at that, that time piece, the thinking piece When it comes to our performance horses, I think sometimes what gets missed for them is the teaching part of that timepiece in the sense that in order for you to expect your horse to respond off of the lightest ask in a very short amount of time, you have to be 100% clear that that horse understands what that cue means and if you are applying a cue and expecting an immediate response off of that cue without the teaching side of things, then that is an, in an uh, it is an unfair pressure that you're applying to that horse, and you're actually going to dive into issues that you could be preventing simply by breaking it down into smaller steps and giving the horse during the training period the time to think i think it's very important for people to recognize that our horses the same as our children the same as you know anyone that we're interacting with they need to have that time to think to
1: build their confidence yeah i totally agree with that um, and it's it is the same for people and horses you know you need to um when you're working with, e- with either one and introducing something new or some, some sort of learning or growth, mm-hmm. it's, it takes the time that it takes. And to start pushing that time to try to shorten it or make it happen quicker, usually then you're adding some sort of anxiety or fear or reactiveness mm-hmm. to make it happen. And in the long run, that's not building a solid foundation and it's not yeah. building on top of confidence and relaxation. Absolutely
0: mm-hmm. Now, looking at the performance side again, it's interesting too, because sometimes people get stuck in the forever training part where they don't ever then change their expectation once the horse does understand. and I've you know done a lot of learning on this, having changed into the to the reining discipline where I'm now on a, a broke horse that understands the cues and is naturally pretty cool blooded like he would be really happy if we just walked and jogged super slow for the rest of his life mm-hmm. and so i have to be very aware of when i'm in teaching mode and when i'm in now you understand the thing and now we're in impl- like implementing mode this is this is what needs to happen um and that's been very important in learning you know, what is the difference between adding a pressure to a horse that doesn't understand versus adding a pressure to a horse that does. And the main piece to that is really that, you know, you always start at the, at the lightest pressure. And I think that often gets missed, especially if people are just doing the training piece, they start at the lightest or they start at a higher pressure because they know the horse isn't going to respond to the lighter pressure. And then- when I'm looking at a horse that is fully trained, you might start at the lighter pressure and then not actually build to the pressure you need because, you know, it must have been good enough because they should have understood, if that makes yeah.
1: sense. It does, it does. And I think that, too, it's important that mindfulness and the observation come into play there, too, because each person and each rider and each horse and rider pair are, mm-hmm. you know, individuals in their own right. And it's really, it's really important to see what's happening from moment to moment and take that and then apply it as necessary yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. so
0: what are your thoughts about the evolution of horsemanship and the leading edge
1: of the horse human relationship? Yeah, this is something that I love to talk about, and i, I don't have I have my own theories. <laughs> <laughs> I would be interested to have this discussion on like a panel with other people. Um, I, I always think it's really interesting to look back at the history of humans and horses, because there's only so many species on the planet that have been so closely partnered with people. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, horses, dogs, certainly one of them, but horses in a way that is pretty unique, you know, in in that we've ridden them and Mm -hmm. um, depended on them for our survival in a lot of different ways. And Mm -hmm. really, they've had such a hand in, in our survival. <laughs> survival. Our survival, yeah. for sure. The, the building of our civilization and mm-hmm. our modern civilization as it is now, they've had such an impact on all of that. Mm-hmm. But definitely we, aren't, we, we don't need horses in those ways anymore, at least not in most parts of the country. And certainly there are some, but um, we don't need them in that way. So then you know, things sort of sh- shifted to more recreation and competition. Mm-hmm. And certainly there's still plenty of that prevalent. But now I think there's this whole other frontier of, um, you know, wellness and mental health Mm -hmm. and consciousness and personal growth that we're just now stepping into. And it's so fascinating for me to see the horses still right by our sides in all of this. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just crazy how they just keep matching us no matter where we are. You know, they're always there in some way for us. And it's really fascinating to me that they can still be here for us in this personal growth. And I think now. Whereas in the beginning, it was like, what with for our survival and for competition? It's like, what can the horses do for us? What can they help right. us get for ourselves? Mm-hmm. And now it's in the in this other in like equine facil- facilitated learning and equine facilitated personal growth. It's the horse's strength is really in being a horse, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. the more horse like we let them be, the more feedback we get from them, mm-hmm. and the more information we have. To apply to ourselves and how we're showing up. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have this whole other emerging field where the horses are at their best, just being horses, mm-hmm. and most able to support us when they're being horses. Um, that's just so so fascinating to me. That that is yeah. Keep moving us through history, no matter where we're at, and and certainly there are, like I said, there there's still there for us in other ways, but it's just kind of watch over time. This transition period is really interesting to me.
0: That is interesting. And it's funny, I kind of have this picture as you're speaking of them developing us outwardly. So they're helping us develop our society and like all of these physical pieces of life. And then now it would be very easy for the world to not necessarily need them in the same sort of way. And they have shifted to just helping us on the inside. So they're literally there to help us find out who we are and Mm -hmm. connect. So they were like connecting us to the physical world. um, And now they're allowing us to connect to an internal world that has been known about for so long, but is just, there's a shift happening, I believe. And you know, people are starting to really figure out the power of personal growth, our energy, our thoughts, and the horses. Because that's their first language. This is like they're this is their jam. <laughs> like this is what they're <laughs> what they're here to teach us. Um, they were here to help us, and now they're here to teach us. Really,
1: yeah, and. And the, everything you said, I'm totally on board with it. That this is their jam. That's totally true. I mean, we we've done our jam with them for a long time, mm-hmm. <laughs> and now it's their turn to do their jam with us. Um, it's it's uh it's huge. Like the potential is is just huge. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so cool to me that the way they can help us be our best selves is by being more of themselves. Like right. not not be what we've taught them to be, but to be what they are mm-hmm. as their own beings. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. I keep going back to, uh, whenever I have conversations like this, going back to like, I, I visualize this one specific day that I had a riding lesson and we lived down the road from, uh, from our riding arena and I had to go out and had to get my horse. And we had one horse in our pasture that she would allow you to get close to them And we had probably like four horses at the time. So you'd you'd almost get to them and she would just do a flick of her nose and that flick of her nose meant they were going to the other side of the pasture and it was raining and I'm like sitting there so frustrated because of course I'm on a time crunch here. Right. So, Mm -hmm. you know, need to tack up, need to ride down the road, need to be there at a specific time because this gentleman is waiting for me and just feeling so frustrated And it's so funny because all I probably needed to do at that moment was not care. Yeah. Right. So, and allow them to just be the horses. And if I was just going out into the pasture and learned at that point, how to control my inside, then everything would have been so much easier. But because I had these intentions and, and assumptions and all of this energy that was, they were like, peace out. We're, we, we want nothing to do with this situation today. It's so interesting when that happens. And I wish that day I would have been able to just be like, okay, I guess this is where my lesson happens today.
1: Yeah. I love those moments because mm-hmm. it's like, there's, there's a couple things there. There's, you know, can, can you, it's not necessarily that you have to drop your own agenda, but can you have your agenda? on the horse's time Mm -hmm. because often it's often it's not that the horses don't want to do what we want to do but they might want it slower or they might want it in for us to show up in a different way for it to happen yeah so yeah it's like the second you can drop your own agenda then exactly what you wanted is happening (laughs) Mm -hmm. what a lesson (laughs) i know i know
0: (laughs) oh absolutely You have a question here that you've kind of prompted me to ask, and I'm really interested to hear what you have to say about this because it's not something that I've actually heard a lot about. So I'm interested to hear what you think the importance of win-win solutions are when working through challenges.
1: Okay, great. I'm glad that we're talking about this because this is a work in progress for me too. I'm definitely going to admit that. Okay, awesome. um, it's, it's become a priority for me. I think this goes back to that story that I was telling you about like my own career crisis and in, in mm-hmm. noticing what the horses were saying about the interactions I was having with them, with my clients. Um, I kind of decided that unless these situations and these interactions and these sessions, unless they could be good for everybody, I didn't really want to do them. I didn't want to be a part of them. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't want a person to learn something about themselves at the expense of the horse. Right. Um, I don't want someone to find some sort of internal peace at the expense of the horse, you know, which mm-hmm. is probably false in a way anyway, but, um, and, and vice versa. I don't, I don't think it happens very often where we do or give something to the horse at the expense of a person. Although I I do think that it happens at times. I think more often we get things for the humans at the expense of the horses, Mm -hmm. but it's really, really important for me now in my career to go forward as much as possible with looking for the win-win for everybody. Like I really, Mm -hmm. really believe and not just with the horses, but in all of life that there's a lot more win-win solutions out there than we know of because maybe we haven't taken the time to, to think about it or to take another person's perspective or to be creative or to collaborate with everybody involved. I mean, there's certainly, that's a great option. Like let's Mm -hmm. collaborate with everybody involved and find out what, what's the best solution we can come up with for this, where everybody gets something out of it. Like everybody's needs are met. I believe those are out there if we take the time to look for them and for creative. And I think it's really important. I think it's important that we all, that we all win and that we're not, gaining at another's expense with people or with horses you know, or with other animals. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I think that if I'm really being honest, I think I could probably reflect on that most with my daughter. Okay. So when I think of my interactions with her and really feeling like, okay we need to do this because you know a b c or d need to take place um it's really easy as a parent to get into that place of this is what i said and this is what needs to happen and not really slowing down to see like what is a win for her and for me um mm-hmm. instead of just overpowering because you know she's only 6 and we're you know, I'm the mom, and she's the kid, and you know what I mean, so yeah. so it's interesting, I think that just hearing you explain that will help me when I'm working with her, so our main thing with her, it's going to be our main thing for the rest of her life, is you cannot motivate this child to move faster for the life of you. Mm -hmm. Um, her, it's the only thing our teachers complain about. It's, uh, it's really, really challenging because both my husband and I live very busy lives and, um, it doesn't matter if I say, okay, we need to go faster because we're going to be late a million times. Uh, she just simply runs on her own clock. Uh, and you just, you can, there's no, there's no like, uh, you know how, like, I always compare it to to working with horses. So like if you can get into a horse a little bit in the sense you add just enough pressure that they're like, Oh, okay. I have a little bit of urgency. There's something that needs to take place. You can't get urgency out of her. She's like, (laughs) cool mom. No problem. She's just chill. So when I think of that, I'm just kind of reflecting on it and going like, how can I change my approach so, that it doesn't seem like I'm manipulating her with things, but that it actually creates more often these win win solutions for the both of us. So, I really appreciate your insight there.
1: Thanks. Um, and I, and I, like I said, it's a work in progress. So, certainly, there, I, I, j- I don't usually talk in black and whites. You know, I realize there's some situations, and I'm not a parent, so I can't speak of being mm-hmm. a parent, but. I'm sure there are situations where it is going to be that you're the parent and she's the kid and mm-hmm. something needs to happen now. And, you know, that's just going to be how it is. But, you, yeah, you might find other situations where you can, you can sit back and say, okay, is there a way we, we don't have to engage in that right now? You know, maybe mm-hmm. there is a win-win for both of us. And maybe you ask her. I don't know. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you ask her, you know. She mm-hmm. might help. There's that collaboration piece.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Um I'm going to just end off we're going to ask one more question and I do think we could probably have uh longer conversations about things that both of us are quite interested in because it seems like the you know our thought processes are pretty similar and uh, I know that we have a couple more questions that you and I have looked at so Um, I'm gonna ask one more and then maybe when we hop off this interview, you and I can touch base and maybe we'll just do another interview Um, that will kind of supplement this one on the other end if you're open to that
1: Yeah, that sounds great because any of anything that we've already talked about i'm happy to dive deeper into or we can just go off on other tangents And it does sound like we have a lot in common i'm enjoying the conversation a lot
0: perfect, okay, that's awesome so just to keep things you know, on time and, and not drawn out too long for our listeners today. I'd love to just get a little bit of insight on what you think the benefits of holistic approaches are, um, just seeing the big picture and addressing the root causes of issues with horses and humans. And if you think it's going to be like a super long in-depth conversation, you can kind of touch on it and then we can bring it back into our next interview. Um, the whole, I'm actually approaching my own life in a very holistic approach right now. So I'm super interested in your, in your opinion on this.
1: Okay, great. Yeah. I'll, I'll try to briefly touch on it and then we can go into it in depth later, maybe, or, you know, if there's something that catches your attention that you want me to elaborate on today, let me know.
0: All right, cool. Thanks.
1: Um, I I think what you know with the horses just throughout my whole career, I have noticed how often the the band-aids and the quick fixes backfire, Mm -hmm. that I see the importance of looking at the big picture and um, building that really, really strong foundation. Um, I have, since I've been in this career so long, I have this unique perspective of seeing You know, sometimes when you try a quick fix with a horse, like a a training solution that's a quick fix, sometimes you see um, maybe in a couple of days it kind of comes back to bite you. But sometimes those quick fixes, sometimes they last a while and, and sometimes you see like years down, months or years down the road that me as a trainer I can look back and say okay that quick fix five years ago that's what's coming back to bite us now or this rider, or the horse or or us you know as 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 a team that's Mm -hmm. coming back now and I think often um people either aren't involved with horses long enough to see that take place Mm -hmm. to be able to look back so far and identify the quick fix or the band-aid that is popping up so much later. But me being in the industry, as long as I have, I've had that perspective with several different horses or clients that I'm able to go back in their history, whether it was with me or with some other trainer or with some other horse and see that 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 was the problem, that they were missing this foundation or tried this quick fix instead of a a real um, solution for the root cause to the issue. Mm -hmm. And it just makes it, to me, it's like, wow, it's so important to get that foundation right and to look at everything from all different aspects. You know, a horse's behavior issue that seems like a training issue could be from, uh, it could be from so many different things. It could be Mm -hmm. from their herd situation. It could be from um, the way that they're managed with their health. It could be from their feeding. It could be with their um, interaction with a, a trainer or another person or another rider. It could be their interaction with their herd mates. I mean, there's so many different Um, variables to look at when you're, when you're trying to solve an issue or work through a challenge. And I think just seeing the big picture and not just assuming that it's a training issue, like not just jumping to that is Mm. really, really, really important.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's interesting because I had a conversation with someone today about the importance of understanding the long-term effects, even of our nutrition, the nutrition that we feed our horses. So if we're looking outside of the training world, but just looking at, okay, that build up of, you know, feeding something once and going, oh gosh, that, that looks like it's doing a lot of good for my horse. But then really looking at the larger picture and saying, what are the long-term effects on them? So looking at the long-term effects of what we're doing with our horses and being able to actually be with them long enough to see what is happening, you know, years down the road. Um, I think it's really important when it comes to our training, our nutrition, anything. And uh, it's, it's something that I think is worth a conversation for sure.
1: I agree. I agree. Because a lot of the things that um, are presented to me as training issues with horses aren't, aren't really training issues. They're <laughs> usually physical issues, management issues, um, <laughs> relationship issues between you know, the owner and the horse or the rider yeah. and the horse. Uh, it, it's rarely strictly a training issue.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I think we're going to probably just wrap up there and I'd love to carry this conversation on with you further, but before we go, I'd love if you could just share a little bit of information on the resources that you do offer so that my audience can go and find you online and, and learn more from you. And then we will definitely chat again in the future.
1: Awesome. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So I, they can find me um, online at stephaniesautel.com or stillpointequine.com. I also have a Facebook page, um, Stephanie Sautel Equine Specialist, Author and Coach, uh, and a YouTube channel. Um, and I also have uh, a workbook that I've put out. It's called What Horses Can Teach Us About Mindfulness. Nice, and it's um, it's part text and part journal. So it gives you exercises to do with your horse that you can then reflect on after the journal prompts. So it, it's really really helpful to bring a mindfulness practice to your time with your horses, and it also encourages you to take those skills and apply them out into other areas of your life.
0: Awesome, that's fantastic. Thank you so much, Stephanie. Thank you. I uh, yeah, I, I appreciate the conversation, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Me too. Thank you, Nikki. Okay. Thanks, Stephanie. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for choosing to spend your time with me. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave a review and share it with your friends. To learn more about me and what else I have on the go, skip on over to NikkiPorter.ca. Thanks again for listening. And we'll connect again next week. Until then, remember... You have the power to take the reins and live the life you've always wanted. You just have to step into the arena with an open heart and an open mind.